All right. Matthew 28. And let's uh, let's pray together. Lord, thank you again for who you are. And Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And uh, again, we are reminded in your word that uh, as we renew our minds through scripture, not just hearing it, but obeying it, we are transformed from the inside out. A metamorphosis happens and and this process of sanctification that lasts our entire time on this planet, Lord, is really rooted in walking in the power of the Holy Spirit in obedience to your word. And so we're so thankful that in this country we have the freedom to openly uh, open it, read it, study it, and apply it, Lord. And may we never take that for granted. And, and Father, now as we continue looking at the nature of our relationship with you, uh, this word covenant... Lord, help us again through your word this morning to to understand you more clearly, to understand our relationship with you more clearly. And Lord, uh, above all, to understand how this impacts our daily life. Lord, that uh, uh, you would fill us with joy and with enthusiasm and with zeal, Lord, to go out and enjoy and live this incredible covenant relationship that you established according to your will. So, uh, Father... Lead us and guide us now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Teach us. And again, may we not just be hearers, but doers. And in the end, that you would get all the glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Matthew 28. Read these verses again, uh, starting in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Again, this is called, many of us know this as the Great Commission. And we saw... Last Sunday, we launched up with these verses because it's very important that the the one command that Jesus was giving his 11 disciples was to go and make what? Disciples, right? Go and make disciples. Who's a disciple? If you're a disciple, raise your hand. We're all disciples. Right? That sounds very basic. But, but this, 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 this relationship, this covenant relationship that we've been studying for now, this is our fourth week. It's very basic because what I've learned in 20 plus years of ministry is that people kind of struggle and, and get stuck in their sanctification and their growth because they stray from the basics. And, and in, our, in our culture where there's so much media, so many books, so many conferences, so many radio stations, we tend, we can tend to develop what I call secondhand Christianity. We think we're growing, we think we're, we're, we're progressing, and we might, we might, but we really start to base our spiritual growth, our sanctification, on all the books we've read, on all the conferences we've attended. On all the, you know, the latest things that, that we're, we're, we're studying. And, and truth be known, we're kind of just information gathering. And we have to be very careful. And that's why I love this, this, this series on covenant. Because it's really bringing us right back to the core of the nature of our relationship 
and, and, and we're learning some new things from many, but, but the challenge is, okay, ask yourself, am I a disciple? And the answer is what? Yes. If I'm a disciple, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I to be about? What, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? See, when a disciple, uh, if you study that word, you know, it's a follower, it's a learner. It, it's based on there's a certain relationship. Discipleship is based on a relationship. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, there's a relationship you have with him. The question for us during this series is, what is the nature of that? What is the nature of that relationship? Right? Because we've seen that covenant, if we, one of the elements of covenant is it's the end of independent living. Right? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. Right? And so if we don't even understand that, we can say, oh, I'm a disciple, but I do my own thing. I'm a disciple, but I don't need to go to church. I'm a disciple, but, and what we're saying is, I'm claiming to be a disciple, but I'm living an independent life. See, that, those, those are antithetical. They, that, that, that's, that's just wrong. It's inconsistent with Scripture. A disciple of Jesus necessarily means there's a relationship with him. There is no independent living. Now, the question is, what is that relationship? And we have been looking that it's called what? Covenant. Covenant, right? And so if we're to make disciples, we're going to go bring people into relationship with Jesus. What kind of relationship? Covenant. If you're already a disciple here this morning, you are in relationship with Jesus. What kind of relationship is it? Covenant. So then the next question is, do you know what that even means? Do you know what covenant means? And we spent three weeks on the front of here. Look on the front of your notes. We'll just use this as a review. We looked at the covenant with Noah where God says, hey, I'm never going to flood the earth again. Never going to destroy it. I'm making a covenant with you according to my will. It's dictated by me. And the sign of the covenant is going to be what? Rainbow, right? We saw that the word covenant in the New Testament, right there, it's in the middle, is diatheke. So right off the bat, we have spent three weeks understanding, trying to grasp, not just the head knowledge of what diatheke is, but even to the point, and I shared kind of my heart with you last Sunday, what does that mean to me today? Right, because diatheke, right, and I stood up here for two weeks, I said diatheke, a diatheke covenant relationship is one of a greater to a lesser. Greater to a lesser. What does Jesus say at the beginning? All authority has been given to me, right? He's already saying, hey, I'm the man. All authority has been given to me. This is what you need to do. Go make disciples. Diatheke covenant is greater to the lesser. God says, here's my covenant. Here are the terms. No negotiation. I'm God. Here it is. Either accept it or reject it. And we talked about why do we struggle with that? Because what are the benefits of, of accepting God's covenant? What is it? Eternal life, new creation, indwelling Holy Spirit, provision, protection, new church family. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're part of God's blessing. Right? You're part of God's blessing. Right? We reap all of this if we can submit. Oh, there's that word submit. Oh, there's that word surrender. If we can submit and surrender and understand right off the bat, it is a diatheke covenant relationship on God's terms. You must be born again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What, all those words, remember? 
to take up your cross. All of that now, if you understand that through covenant lens, it makes sense. It's simply God, or Jesus God, telling us, His disciples, here's the terms. Here's the terms. It kind of simplifies things. It really simplifies it. It's diatheki, right? And we talked about the other word there, suntheki. The problem that we have is we want to bring God down and we want a suntheki covenant. And I showed you that video last Sunday, right? Of the person who had the Bible and they were sharpie crossing out parts of the Bible they didn't like. And we do that when we're disobeying God. We may not literally do that, but figuratively, every time we disobey one of God's commands, we're putting a black sharpie across the pages. Where do we buy into that? Because we want God to be soon fakey. Or we want to be God. <laughs> we want to be the top dog. We want to call the shots, right? Remember the other video two weeks ago? Who's on the stool? Who's, who makes the decisions? Who's on the throne, right? But we want to soon fakey. And we want to negotiate with God. Did you really mean forgive? Did you really mean I got to forgive that coworker, God? Did you really mean I can do all things? Did you really mean, right? And so this is this, this process that, that all of us are in different places. Oftentimes, disobedience is because we've changed from diatheki back to suntheki. Ask yourself right now, if there's an area in your life that you are struggling with obedience, why is that? It might just be because you're trying to negotiate a deal. Rather than just saying, okay, I submit. I surrender. Right? That, that's what we've been talking about the nature the last three weeks of this diatheki relationship. Right? We saw Jesus' words. Right? If you want to follow me, take up your cross daily. We said, hey, covenant relationship supersedes all others. All others. Husband, wife, kids. Even what? Your own life. And then we saw Jesus' example, right? Let's turn there. Let's just, oh, we're already there. Matthew 26. Let's just go left. Two chapters. We closed last week. Jesus in the garden. I love Jesus' example because this is, this is he's, he's just so real at the human level. And he's struggling with a diatheki moment right here. Matthew 26. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Right? He goes to pray. Verse 39, Matthew 26, 39. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, Abba, Papa, Daddy, if it is possible, may this cup, and we saw that cup is figurative of, God, of God's wrath, God's anger, God's wrath upon sin. May this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you. And we saw that at the core that Jesus, Jesus understands what, what God's will is. God has set the terms for His plan of salvation. Jesus is understanding His role in that. And right now, at this very moment, He's like, Really? Really, God? i got to go through that? And He's struggling with submission, surrender, trust, faith, all of that human stuff. The Bible says Jesus... He was tempted in every way we are, yet without sin. So he knows what you go through in those moments when God is like, I want that. Give me that. 
Trust me here. Trust me here. Really? Really? And I shared with you last Sunday, you know, last Saturday night, I was here in the dark and this, this message, God was like, okay, Richie, forget the whole pastor thing, dude. You've, you've been holding on to things since you were a little kid. And I shared, you know, there's some, some very traumatic things happened that, that created in me a, a compartment in my life that, that was a safe place for me to go to. Very safe place. Not necessarily healthy, but it was safe. It, it, it was what I did to cope with what was going on. And, it, and, it, and, I, and I realized, you know, God has been working through this area in my life, but I also realized how it's affected my relationships with others. I let you in, but there. That's good. You know, and it's affected how I view certain situations when they arise. And, and, and through this series and through last week, God was like, hey, you know that? You know that little vault you have? I think it's about time we start to open that up. And I was in there, I'm like, are you kidding? I've held this for so long. I don't even know what my life is without this. And without this, Lord, I kind of feel like I might die. I mean, all these things are going through my head because, because it's something I held so tightly. And he's saying, and then he's like, give it, you got, it's time, it's time. And, and, it, and it's literally a struggle with submission. It's like... This is, this is stuff I use to protect myself. This is stuff that I use to, to make sense of the world and the stuff that happened to me. And, 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 and what's going to happen when or if I do this, Lord? And you just like, trust me. And, and, and it's the, this moment, and, and honestly, I'm still working through it. You know, it's not like, oh, because the sermon's done, that's done. <laughs> Classic, right? Well, I preached that sermon, I can move on. No, he didn't let me off the hook that easy. And I'm still working through that. And this whole week, you know, now that I'm aware of it, oh, he reminds me all the time. Here it is. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And it's now this choice at this different level I've ever been of living my life at this different level when he reveals, here it comes again. Now, this is the way you've been acting for 40 years. But this week, here's how I want you to act if you're going to start giving it up. It's been a long week. Because literally, I will stop, and I'll be like, Lord, everything in me wants to go that way, because that's what I know for 40 years. <laughs> you know, it's one of those test the waters, and, and, and you just take these little, this little step here, and you're like, is it okay? Is it okay? Is it okay? You know, and it's like, okay, stay there for a week. Just, just start, you know? And it's this process where... Where I'm learning, okay, you know, 20 plus years of walking with the Lord, yeah, we give up things. And then you, I'm not saying we don't celebrate what God has done. I'll, many of you uh, are just radically different, even in the three and a half years I've known you. Just seeing God do tremendous things in your life. I just want to warn you, in a very loving way, He's not done. <laughs> and as you continue to love Him and walk with Him, and He peels the layers off, but Lord, I was doing so good. Why do we got to go there? Because he wants all of you. He wants all of us. Right? So, so this nature of diatheki, right? This covenant relationship within it starts with understanding submission, trust, faith, obedience, the greater to the lesser. And some of us, we spent the whole week 
asking ourselves, why, do we, why does this word authority rail on some of us? Why does the hair stand up on the back of our necks? And you've got to work through that. Authority, right? But just remember who the authority is. It's your Abba Father. <laughs> he loves you. He loves you. He's not out to ruin your life. He has, he's out there to give you new life. Amen? Right? He wants the best for you. All right, so, so that's where we've been. Now where are we going? Right? Turn your notes over. So the New, new Testament word was diatheki, right? Now, today we're going to start looking at the Hebrew word for covenant, which is barith, which means to bind. It's derived from a root word, which means to cut a covenant or to cut a curse. All right? It's very important. The word covenant, even in the Old Testament, the heart of it is relationship. God desiring a relationship. Okay, you've you, you got to get that. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. See, God wants a relationship. A, a genuine union, just absolutely mind-blowing supernatural relationship. That's what He wants. So many of us view Christianity as some mechanical, formulaic, do's and don'ts, rigid set of rules. And God's like, where did you get that? I want a relationship with you. I want it to be dynamic. I want it to be joyful. I want you to wake up in the morning and say, I love you and let me tell you how much I love you. He wants a relationship with us. That's what covenant's about, right? And, and this Hebrew word, barith, we're going to look at it a little bit because we have to understand, uh, you know, the, the, the title of the message. If you look at the front of your bulletin, right? There's two elements that, but the title of, of, of today's sermon is, Are You Serious? Are You Serious? Right? And, and we're going to understand what it means to cut a covenant in kind of a cultural context. Because sometimes uh, we just lose it in the translation if we don't understand the word covenant in the way that the people back in the Old Testament and even Jesus day would have understood it, right? So are you serious? Are you serious this morning? I'm not talking somber. I'm not talking joyless. But are you serious? Because covenant is serious business. That word in the Old Testament to the cultures around the world then, anytime you said covenant, specifically even blood covenant, Oh my gosh. They would have, you know, they would have gone boing. There, you know, they would have said, Covenant? Covenant? God wants a covenant? See, there's this blood covenant. And the blood covenant, here's a quote says, The blood covenant is the most binding covenant any two people or groups of people can enter into. Once committed to, uh, to a covenant, the only way out of it is by death of one or both of the covenant makers. It is something that is never entered into lightly. There was a blood covenant. And if I wanted to make a covenant, say with Daryl, right? I put some elements there, right? We would exchange property, weapons, names. There's some key elements. What is that saying? Hey, Daryl, if me and you are going to be in covenant, everything I have is yours. And everything you have is mine. Why the weapons? All my friends and enemies are yours. All your friends and enemies are mine. Why are we exchanging names? We have, no more independent living. We have a new identity. 
right? And then, right, they would, uh, they would do this cutting. They would do this cutting, and we're going to talk about that more in depth. And then they would have a meal. Three key elements, right? Now, part of this cutting, part of this cutting, right? Let's go ahead and look at, uh, let's look at 1 Samuel. Let's look at the Old Testament examples of each of these. All right, let's go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel comes after Ruth, if that helps. And comes before 2 Samuel. <laughs> All right. If that helps. 1 Samuel 18. Covenant between David and Jonathan. We see these elements. Right? 1 Samuel 18. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Covenant is about love, okay? It's love, love, love. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a what? Covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic, even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Right? There's this exchange happening because they're in covenant. It's very symbolic. Very important that we understand that. Right? Everything I have is Daryl's. Daryl, everything you have is whose? Yeah, yours, right? <laughs> right? Yours, right? Right? We become open books. Now, that's very challenging in our culture where we're very isolated. We're islands. We get our little house and, right, private property, right? So culturally, you have to understand this was, this was significant. Everything I have is yours, Daryl. Everything, including your enemies. Your enemies are now my enemies. I'm in to defend you. Likewise, you're in to defend me against mine. We're in. We're in. Right? And then, turn to Genesis 15. Right? Interaction between God and Abram, who later became Abraham. Right? Genesis 15, look at verse 4. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. This is God telling Abraham he's going to have a son. People think that Abraham was about 85, 86 when this took place. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Right? Abraham's going to have a whole lot of offspring. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So God tells him three things. Hey, you're going to have a son. Your descendants are going to be like the stars and I'm giving you land. Right? Abram was like, well, how do I know? It's not necessarily doubting. He's like, is there anything you can do to assure me of this, these promises? These promises, right? Okay. Verse 9. So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. 
As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep. And the, those next verses talk about God's prophecy of them being in prison, slavery for 400 years. Okay, so Abram's asleep. Verse 17, we'll start up there. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant, Barith, with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, and so on. Right? So Abram says, hey, awesome promises. Lord, can you maybe show me something that I know I can bank on that? That I can trust you fully to carry through? He says, sure, cut some animals, put them in half. Abram falls asleep. God shows up symbolically and passes through and makes covenant. Now, this is very important. This was called the walk of death. And back in this culture, they don't, you know, there's different elements. So not everything is, 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 is said or stated in the Bible. But in a blood covenant, what would happen, and we talked about it being serious, right? They would get animals. They would cut them in half. Now, imagine, okay, see, we were very clean here. They cut animals in half. What happens when you cut an animal in half? There's a lot of blood. And it probably doesn't smell really good, right? Right? And so they do that, right? That's cutting. They cut an animal. They, they put them in half, right? And uh, my volunteers, I know that you can come on up. Right? So Mike and Cindy want to make a covenant. Come on over. Mike and Cindy want to make a covenant. So you're half a dead animal, and you're half a dead animal. And there's all kinds of blood right here. And it probably doesn't smell very good. And it's just a bloody mess. You guys come over here. So part of making a blood covenant is this. They would come here. So you face that way. And you face this way. All right. When I say go, you're going to turn left and you're going to make a figure eight around the whole room and come back here. You'll make a figure eight around both and come back here. Okay? Okay. So it's not a race. Okay. So... Here's what would happen. Blood, right? Just kind of a, a bloody mess. What would happen is the two people making the covenant would recite vows. The terms of the covenant as they walked in this figure eight. So go ahead and start your figure eights. So they're reciting vows, right? It's kind of just a mess, right? They're going to pass and they're going to complete. Now, think about this. Why would they make a figure eight? What does that symbol symbolize? Infinity. A blood covenant was infinite. No end. Unless somebody died. So they come and they end up facing each other. Right? Just like that. So, animals cut in half. Blood everywhere. They're standing in blood. They just make a figure eight, reciting vows. This is an eternal. This isn't a temporary thing. This isn't a thing of convenience. We're in. Right? We're in. Now, here's the thing. It's to cut a covenant or to cut a curse. And so what they would do is they would join right hands. And in some cultures, they would take a knife. And they would... Cut them, either on the wrist and on the wrist, and they would do that, 
Or they would cut the palm, and they would cut the palm, and they would do that. It was a blood covenant. It was a blood covenant. And here's the curse. Here's the curse. She is saying, and he is saying, if I break the terms of this covenant, may it be done to me what's done to these animals. And he's saying, if I do not fulfill the terms of this covenant, may it be, may the curse be upon me what these animals represent. Kill me. May I die. It's serious. It was serious. Now the crazy thing is, I get the joy of marrying a whole lot of people. And they come down the aisles, and the groom and the bride sit on each side, family. Hmm, wonder what that represents. And they come down and they stand between everyone. I wonder what that represents. And they exchange rings. Everything I have is yours. Names are changed. Hmm. And then after this was all done, they would have a covenant meal. And you know what they would do at the covenant meal? They would get a loaf of bread and they would feed each other. And they would drink out of a cup of wine. Symbolizing we're one. We're one. There is no separation. And then a bride and groom get the cake. And what do they do with that cake? Oh, they feed each other. And maybe they get... Right? Right? You see, I've told you before, marriage used to be the covenant example in our culture. That's as serious as God created. Now do you understand marriage, all the symbolism that goes into a marriage ceremony? I bet you never realized it was two halves and you were taking the walk of death. (laughs) Right? (laughs) The walk of death in marriage, right? The what, what, what if, what would happen in this culture in terms of marriage if the husband-to-be said, you know what, if I don't fulfill my vows, may the curse be upon me. And if the wife said on the very front end, if I don't fulfill my vows, may the curse be upon me. And what if they walked in the figure eight and say, no, this isn't permanent, this isn't a contract, there are no prenups, we're in it forever. It's a covenant. Because it's serious. It's serious. Right? And here's, here's the incredible thing. Turn to Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6.13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by who? Himself. What? Saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Don't miss that. See, Mike, you and and Cindy just made a covenant vow, right? You walked through and you said, hey, let it be on me. When God made his covenant with Abram in Genesis 15, who's the only person that walked the walk of death? God. He swore by himself to fulfill the terms of that. 
God swore by Himself to fulfill the terms of that covenant. Any of you ever been kind of unspiritually unfaithful to God? Any anybody ever just kind of wander away? Everyone just sort of get hot and cold and hot and cold and hot and cold. Maybe lukewarm, right? Right? God's here and we just tend to wander. <laughs> I'm back. Here I am again. Hi. Right? God walked through there by himself and says, I'm swearing by me. I'm solid. This covenant is based on who I am. You see, Abram said, hey, is, is there any assurance you can give me, God, that you're going to fulfill your promise? Oh, yeah, sure. Watch this. Watch me walk through that walk of death. How do you think Abram felt about the promises? Pretty solid? Pretty secure? So you got to understand covenant in that culture. If Abram's sitting there going, oh, man, God walked through that covenant. He's bound. God's bound. There's no, it's not contractual. He's bound to fulfill everything he just said he was going to give me. I share that, and, and, and God said, Richie, are there times in your life when you wonder if I'm going to come through on my promises? There's something in your life where you're wondering, God, I know your Bible says this, but is there anything you can do? <laughs> anything you can show me? Yeah, covenant. Covenant. When you come into a covenant relationship through faith in Jesus, you're solid. You are so solid. It's covenant. It's serious business. It's serious business. This is not contract. This is not temporary. You are solid. And so the, the encouragement, one of the applications for us this morning is, if you are struggling with just trusting God, it might be because you need to focus on covenant instead of yourself trying to trust God. you understand what I'm saying? See, here's the thing. Some of us, and myself included, because I, I grew up very self-reliant, very independent. It's all up to me. If you're not careful, your Christianity becomes more based on your efforts and your faith than just who God is. And so your faith is based on your faith, not who He is. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if you're having trouble trusting God because you don't have enough faith or you're, you're struggling with your own faith, put that aside and say, Lord, help me to understand covenant. Because when you understand covenant, your peace, your, your security, your stability in your identity in Christ goes through the roof. Because you're a blood brother. You're in. You're in. You can't get more in. You can't get more in. That's covenant. And so all those promises that we want to cling to and everything, sometimes it's like, oh, Lord, Lord, I don't know if I have faith. I don't know if I can believe. I don't. He's like, you know what? You're in covenant. It's not about you. It's about covenant. Do you get the difference? It's not about you. It's about you being in covenant. That's the basis. For our stability. That's the basis for our strength. That's the basis for our joy. Not what we can work up. Not how we feel. It's because we're in a covenant relationship. The basis for everything in our relationship with God is that we are in covenant with Him. 
You're in covenant with Him. It's done. You're bound. It, You know, it's one of those things in our culture, we're so wishy-washy. We're so non-committal. We're so break, make and break commitments and, and relationships that this just, I just, it just bounces off. We just, we just don't even know what it means for someone to be that committed to us. I just think it's just one of the hardest things in our culture right now to really believe that someone got my back forever. And that's one of the things, I'll be honest with you, that's one of the things, those core things I was telling you about. In my life growing up, there was a lot of betrayal. And out of that betrayal developed a lack of trust or a mistrust or a distrust of people in general. And so there's a part of me that just grew up unable, unwilling to trust. I never had a buddy. My brother had buddies share their life. I never had a buddy. I had a whole lot of friends. Someone to bear my soul with, someone to really be point blank honest with. No. Why? Because I don't trust you. Because some of the people that I thought I was supposed to be able to trust at the human level betrayed me and wounded me so deeply that I chose at a certain, I don't even know what age, I just made this choice. Humans, do not trust them. And then I realized... I think I brought that into my relationship with God. God, do I really trust you? And the thing that, that, that's been freeing me and helping me is covenant. Not beating myself up. Not trying to work myself up into trusting Him. Not trying to generate more faith on my own strength. It's understanding biblical covenant and that I'm already in that relationship with Him. Is that crazy? God is trying to get it through this thick skull. That dude, I know what happened. I know at the human level that we were surrounded by sinful, imperfect people. I know everything that happened. But you have got at a certain point to just believe what the Bible says. You just have to choose to believe that you're in covenant with me. And begin to live according to that truth. That's the... That, that's, that's the choice confronting me. Are you going to live according to your covenant relationship with me? Or are you going to continue to just sort of be 99.999999 in, but hold back that slight distrust because you've been hurt before? And the thing that God's doing in my life is just, you've got to get covenant. Richie, you've got to really trust and believe what the Bible says about biblical covenant. And it's, it, 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 it's, it's tough, right? We'll, we'll close. Look at John 15. John 15. John 15. <clears throat> we'll start in verse 13. John fifteen thirteen. Jesus is talking. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. 
Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. He's talking to his disciples. And I have, I have just that word friend. Again, in our culture, you have to understand, you know, Cindy and Mike, you know, after all that you went through and, and cut your wrists and do this and mingle blood, right? You know what? After all of that, then you call yourself what? Friends. See, the word friend, biblically, is so packed with meaning. When Jesus calls you friend, here's the meaning of that. That word friend means friend of the court, meaning friend of the king, meaning you're in the inner circle. So when you're a friend of the king, you know what you get to do? Walk right in and talk to the king whenever you want. You hang out with the king. You know the king's secrets. He might even just chat with you just being just a guy. A friend of the court, friend of the king, friend of the emperor. You just walk right in. You're boys. You're in the inner circle. Question. Who are Jesus' friends? If you're Jesus' friend, put your hand up. Crazy. We all have this, I want to belong. Am I in? Am I out? Am I accepted? Lord, right? We, at the human level, we want to belong. We want to get in. We don't want to be left out. And along here comes Jesus. Hey, disciples, you're no longer a servant. You're my friend. You're my boy. Anytime. Just hang out. Now, the crazy thing is the friends are still servants because they still, they still respect that relationship. They still have to do what he says. He commands them to love, right? And so we have to understand, we're in covenant with God. He calls us friends. He's got your back. 24-7. Is that radical? See, that's where I'm at right now. I'm just being honest with you. For so many years, I have not even let anyone have the chance to have my back. Because I didn't need or want anyone to say they had my back. (laughs) I just decided I got my back. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, no, Richie, Richie. It's not about you, man. This Christian thing, this pastor thing, it's not about all you can do. It's all flowing out of your covenant with me, dude. Come on. And that's, just, that, that, that's where I'm at right now is, is understanding covenant, understanding friendship, understanding bonding and, and all of this at this root level where God is saying, believe trust. You, gotta, you just got to breathe. You got to trust. You got to walk it. And, and how, you have to unlearn. That's my process I'm in. Is I'm, I'm unlearning. I'm putting off the old and I'm learning to put on the new, trying to understand, okay, Lord, when, some, when I'm walking around the, during the week and something triggers me, when something triggers and I want to go back to the way I was, these verses, everything I've been studying, just come flowing in now. Just come flowing in. You know that, that um, Matthew 28 when he said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age? That phrase right there, that promise, countless times this week. Okay, Jesus, you said, you said you're with me right here. So I have a choice then, don't I? I can go back and rely on myself, or I can sit here in the discomfort and the, and the scariness of this moment and trust that you are literally here in covenant. This is where covenant is becoming real, more real to me. 
Because now, because I'm understanding covenant, I'm trusting God's promises more. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Really? Right? It now goes back to covenant. Cutting covenant, it's serious. It's serious business. And if we can appreciate the seriousness of what you just saw here, you'll appreciate how much God loves you and how good you are. Because that's what he did. Isn't that crazy? That's where you are. It's not. And so you see here in the application in your notes, this phrase, are you serious? It's kind of two. It's kind of a play on words. First one, are you serious? Meaning the definition, weighty, important, not trifling. How seriously do you take being in covenant with God? Did you simply make a decision for Christ or did you enter into covenant with him? Ask yourself that. Did you did you just make a decision for Christ or did you enter into covenant? The answer to that probably will explain a whole lot in your Christian walk. Did you just make a decision? And then the, the, the fun way of saying, saying, are you serious? You ever had you ever anything, something good really happened in your life? Hey, we're going here. You said, are you serious? Right. Everyone, anyone ever say that? Something so awesome that you don't believe it. Well, that's this one. Are you serious? What difference does it make in your life to be in a covenant relationship with God? He calls you friend. Are you serious? Are you serious? So my encouragement to you, to me, the rest of the day, the rest of this week, bounce those two phrases off. Are you serious? Do you understand the seriousness of covenant? The walk of death. The blood. Do you understand the seriousness of this? It's not a game. It's not a game. It's not religion. This is a real deal. It's serious. And then flip that and go, Are you serious? I'm his friend. I'm in the inner circle. I can just walk right in. Yeah. He loves me that much. Yeah. I can bank on his promises. Yeah. Because I'm his friend. Turn to the person next to you and say, You're his friend. You're his friend. Is that radical? Okay. You just, I, I'm encouraging you, just kind of where I am. Chew on those phrases. Chew on this. We're going we're gonna to keep looking at covenant. We've got to understand the nature. Diatheke, cutting covenant. You've got to understand this. Because truthfully, if you're a disciple, you're already in this relationship. You're already in the relationship. You just may not have been aware biblically of how it works. <laughs> according to whose terms? God's. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for our time in your word this morning. And we are reminded of the seriousness of covenant, the blood covenant, the walk of death. And you walked that walk by yourself in showing Abram that you were going to fulfill all your promises. And Jesus, you tell us that in the new covenant, it's in your blood. And that through faith in you, Jesus, we are in a covenant relationship. We're disciples. We're friends. And so as we prepare for communion, help us to understand that when we hold the two cups, it's a sign of the new covenant. It reminds us we are your friends today. It reminds us we are in covenant. 
it reminds us how much you love us.